We're going to read the first four verses of Luke 21. We desperately need to understand. We need to get this one because if we just do a simple comparison between what is told here and what we generally live, we'll find ourselves at least having to ask ourselves some questions about where our hearts are and where our interest is and where our commitments are. So we're going to read the first four verses. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in their two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her poverty has cast in all the living that she has. I think one of the first and most interesting things within this passage is that when all of this was going on in front of Jesus, and it just says he was sitting there and and probably doing nothing more than resting. This is recorded in Mark chapter 12 as well. And it says he was probably just sitting there resting from the day and watching this unfold in front of him. So I think it's interesting when we come to this, the recognition of what Jesus pointed out and all the things that he didn't. That list would be very long. But he, he had a purpose. He wanted to say something. And this lesson tonight is very, very simple. But again, this is one of those that we desperately need to get. Because one of the things that would have been very easy for Jesus to have pointed out when looking at this exchange, this money was typically given from the things I read and the things I've heard in the past. This money was typically given for the care and for the maintenance of what was happening there. And you notice very quickly that Jesus doesn't go in and talk to them or draw any attention to where the money's going. He doesn't turn this into a conversation about budget. He doesn't turn it into a conversation about misappropriation of of the funds that are given, which he probably could have. He didn't tell them that they were spending it where they shouldn't and commend them for where they should. It wasn't the conversation. Most of the time when we talk about money, when we have a conversation like this, when our observation, when we're sitting in our observation about the things of God, we're going to have much more of a conversation about where the money's going. How is the money being spent? And is it being spent correctly or incorrectly? Should more go here or more go there? We have a great number of conversations about that. And again, in due course and due place, those conversations are very proper. Just not what Jesus was drawn to. He had an opportunity here, and Mark says he called the disciples to him. So he He had an opportunity and he wanted to tell them something. He wanted to show them something. So he sits there as he's watching these rich men cast in and, you know, I've heard pastors preach on this before about the fact that they were doing it to gain the maximum amount of attention. I don't know exactly if that was happening here or not. I, I can't really see that. I can imagine it because they wanted to be noticed for most of what they did. So Jesus just observed it giving the gifts into the treasury, doesn't tell them they shouldn't, doesn't talk to them about where the money should go or where it shouldn't go, 
He's not criticizing anything that's happening there. But he makes this observation. Of a truth I say unto you, that this widow hath cast in more than they all. Now we can take that one of two ways. The way that it registers in my head is that not only did she cast in more than any individual did, that she had cast in, in comparison, more than the sum total that was already there, that everybody had cast in. And I know that it had to have hit the disciples strangely because they were observing the same thing. They were watching the abundance being given and they were watching the meagerness be given by this one woman. What's Jesus trying to tell them? This is an economy lesson. He's trying to tell them that what you're observing is the economy of this world. What you're observing is how this world functions in regard to these kind of moments. I'm not sure it even mattered that it was money that was observed being given here. Because he was talking about a comparison of economy. And the reality for anything related to the kingdom life, anything related to what God wants to do, has so much to do with what's tied right here. I shared last night, and you've heard me share this before. If there was a glove laying here on the corner of this podium, and I have seen gloves work before, I have seen them. As a matter of fact, I saw that today, I saw it yesterday. I've seen gloves pick things up. I've seen gloves handle. I've seen gloves do all kinds of things. Well, there's one laying there, and I need it to do something. There's work that needs to be done. I need the glove to get busy. So I tell the glove what to do, and it lays there. And I realize, well, maybe it needs training, so I teach it, and it still lays there. Maybe it needs encouragement, and it still lays there. Why? Because the glove was designed so that it would be able to function only when it was filled. But the minute that it was filled, it would take on the shape, the size, and the very dynamic of the hand that's inside of it. It doesn't have a will anymore. It has submitted to the hand that's in it. It doesn't have a will. It doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have a plan. It doesn't have authority to do what it chooses to do because it has surrendered. The the hand has filled it, and now it is a reflection. It's what somebody sees, but it's the evidence of the hand, not the glove. But just imagine for a minute how awkward and cumbersome this would be if you put your hand in the glove only up to the point where the fingers start. What would happen then? Whatever you needed to do, whatever the hand needed to do, would have actually been handicapped by the glove because the fingers would have just been loose. The hand itself would have been bound inside the palm of that glove. Because the economy of God is, I am going to, my, my will is to fill you completely. The economy of heaven, the economy of the kingdom is everything, not partial. It's never partial. When Ananias and Sapphira came and offered the gift, they could have clearly said, and Peter said, you could have easily said, we have held back a portion for ourselves. What was the problem? They came and said they had given everything. He says, why do you lie to God? Why are you telling God that you've given everything when it's very evident that you've only given part? What's the issue here? Because God's economy, the economy of the kingdom says that when I surrender, I surrender everything. That old hymn, I surrender all. All to him I freely give. 
this isn't hard to understand why Jesus would point out, this woman gave everything because that's the economy of heaven. I don't have the privilege, shouldn't have the privilege, within this kingdom story, if we truly surrender, that means I don't have a plan anymore. He has a plan. I don't have an agenda. He has an agenda. My desires are his desires. I don't want a testimony. I don't want anything outside of what he does in me. I don't want there to be anything, any evidence in my life of anything outside of the reality that he lives in me, works through me. That's the economy. He said, guys, I want you to see this. Their economy says, I give more. I get more notice. Might even get more pleasure from God because of the abundance that I've given. And Jesus is pointing out in sharp contrast. That's not the economy of heaven. You know, we see this everywhere. What did Jesus give according to this economy that you and I could be saved? He gave everything. What did God give us so that we could not only be saved, Jesus, but what did he give us so that we could live in abundance? He gave us himself holding back nothing. Everywhere you look, you can go all the way back into Genesis where Abraham sends this servant to find a bride for his only begotten son. And it says he sent 10 camels, a number for completion. He sent everything he had because he wanted to give, make sure that bride knew that everything that the father had was now being offered to her, given to her. Everything, every single time. Very different economy when you come to this realization. The tragedy where we live often, most live, is in some partial piece of this where we're trying to hold on to a piece but trying to ask God for this economy when we're withholding. And boy, Jesus is pointing this out very clearly. Here's this woman, unnoticed, no one making a big deal. I looked this up today as to how much she really gave. It says she gave all. So her entire ability was 1% of a daily wage. So you can kind of imagine what someone makes in a day. She had 1% of that, but that wasn't her offering. That wasn't a tithe. That was everything. That was her food. That was, you know, her needs, everything being put in there. And Jesus drew attention to it because he wanted us to know there is no place, there is no greatness, there is no notice for giving out of our abundance. There is no notice for giving simply because we have a lot, we can give a lot. That she gave out of her story, her situation. Our mind has a hard time getting around this. We struggle with the economy of heaven. We struggle with what it looks like to give all. We struggle with what it looks like to surrender. I can only give examples from my own story, but several years ago when, when Mike and Debbie Banks, Mike was the Church of Christ preacher, and they lived in the Baptist parsonage, so they were just down the street. Mike would come down and visit, and Jan and I uh, had just bought a new Suburban. had two or 3,000 miles on it, and, and because I didn't have a pickup at that time, I traded him a pickup. I had this trailer built, and Debbie needed to move her sister in Oklahoma, and they were going to Arkansas and several places. And I told her, I said, well, just take the Suburban, take the trailer. And it was so strange to watch this reaction, because she said, there is no way I'm going to take that. There is no way that I'm going to take that, that Suburban, that brand new Suburban, and, and head off in it. 
pulling that trailer. I said, why not? And she said, well, it, it's new. And I said, wait a minute. Let's just back up. This is God's suburban. This is not my suburban. I will not take possession of something that is not mine. I will not do it. I learned this. We were at a marriage seminar with Paul Faulkner and Carl Burkeen from Abilene Christian. We were in Lubbock at Monterey Church of Christ many years ago. Sitting there and they're talking about this. And he gives this illustration and it just penetrates my life. And I realized at that moment, that's the economy I want to function under. People ask me about our house, about how hard would it be to leave our house after having built it, put so much time and energy into it, love it because of what it represents to our family. I guarantee I can let it go in a minute. Let it go in a heartbeat. It's a house that God has given. It's his house. I don't have any problem with surrendering to God, those things that are God. When I come to this economy, I realize I don't have anything left. I apologize for people getting in my pickup sometime. And please don't go get in and out. Well, I wouldn't have to worry about you. If, unless you're driving it, you can't, there's no place to sit. It kind of bothers me, except for the fact when I look around in that pickup, that is my life. There are tools back there. There are Bibles in there. There's all kinds of stuff in there. But that's God's truck. If you need it, come tell me. I do not mind sharing what God has given. Why would I? Because in this economy, the minute I take ownership of it, I have to take care of it. I don't mind being a good steward of it. I don't mind taking care of it. I just don't want to own it. I don't want to own that house. I can't tell you how liberating it has been. Jan and I don't loan money. Made it practice a long time ago, we don't loan money. If we don't have it to give, we don't do it. Simply because... I am not going to sell a friendship if we loan money and somebody does something else and it never comes back. I have two uncles that sold their relationship for the difference of $4,000. Now, if you ask somebody, would you sell your, your relationship for $4,000? No. But when one of them borrowed it from the other and he didn't pay it back in the time when he was supposed to, that relationship stayed severed over 30 years because of that. You see, that goes away in this economy. That goes away when God's economy comes into place because it's so liberating. Jan has an uncle that he lived in Hobbs and went into a lawyer's office. And he came out and he told his brother, never been more free. He said, what did you do? And he said, well, today I'm broke. He gave away every ounce of money he had. Enough to buy a 1,200 or 1,500 acre ranch, donated it to a boy's home, stocked it with cattle, fully equipped, and handed it over to them. And he walked out broke and said, I've never been more free in all my life. You see, that's getting close to coming to an understanding of the economy of heaven, is I don't want to own anything. When you come from my battle, where the lie that Satan told me, because I was trying to erase this name poor, the lie that Satan told me was, if you can make enough dollars, you can erase that name. When you come from where I come, it is tremendously hard to hand your dollars over to the Lord and say, I am not going to worry about this. This is your business. I will be a good steward. I will do what I'm supposed to do, but I will not own this. I live that life. I stayed weary all the time, trying to make a good decision, trying to make the right decision, trying to do something so I could make more money. The concept here is very simple. You noticed one thing. Let me read it again. 
Luke 21. And he said, of a truth I say unto you, talking to those who are near him, that this poor widow has cast in more than all of them. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. Again, no contest. He calls them the offerings of God. But she of her punery hath cast in all the living that she had. He's drawing one focus. This is a one-point message. The economy of heaven is he gave us everything in response. Because of the reality of that, because of the submit that we talked about on Sunday morning, because of the surrender that says, I want to live under the same economy that he lives. I want everything that I have to belong to him. Everything. Holding back nothing. It's a simple, simple picture. He's not confusing us by some strange context. The economy of heaven says he gave all. It's not even an expectation. It's the reality that if a God who gave all comes and fills us as our hand goes into the glove, by that very nature, we find ourselves in the position of this widow. Unfortunately, again, what we do, we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want that recognition. We want it to go far enough that, that, that there's evidence of him, but we don't want to surrender it. So we're almost as useless as a hand in a glove halfway where the fingers are flopping and nothing can be done. That's lukewarm. That's stuck in the middle. It's a poor place. And we wonder why what we feel so encumbered, why we carry such heaviness, why, why there's such weight. Because we were designed to be filled with the presence of God creates a story so that my nature is a reflection of his nature because he lives in me. Not a complex story. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come to this simple passage. This, this is one, Lord, that it stands out in all the stories that were going on in these few moments because you were coming to the point of crucifixion. You were coming so that the things that you were sharing were kind of the last things that these disciples would hear. They were fixing to be thrown into, into such confusion, such uncertainty over the next few days, the next few weeks. They were going to see and feel the real brokenness of your departure, of your death. So for you to create this lesson from within this context, we know has a tremendous weight to it. That you needed them to know something. You were building on a reality that they'd already left their nets. They had already left their work. You'd already told them, if you'll come after me, I'll make you fishers of men. They had left, and they even told you, you know, Lord, we left this stuff behind. When will we take these positions? And your answer was simple. Those who will be first will be last, last will be first, and confuse them further. But here, Lord, you speak with such clarity to them and you speak with such clarity to us. The economy of heaven is everything. Holding back nothing. You don't ask us to do it. You ask us to accept you so that you can do it. So that when you come to live in us and we accept your nature and we surrender to that reality, then our nature is the evidence of your nature. Not that you're asking us to give everything. It's asking for us to receive everything. Because if I receive everything, this is easy. If I receive everything, 
Living as this widow did under an economy of everything becomes the way we live. It's when we receive something partially that we live partially. I pray, Lord, tonight that we would understand that the economy that you are trying to describe is an economy that points to you that says, I gave everything. If you receive that, then you will, by your nature, be ready to hold back nothing, to claim nothing, but to live under the recognition that everything we have is a gift from God so that we can praise him for it, thank you for it, live under the recognition of it, and not believe somehow I earned it and have to hold on to it as a prize or as a trophy that somehow I deserve. We know what happens to those. You tell us. They rust. They go away. But this economy of everything is a, an economy of your heart. You told us that. First Corinthians 13, you, you describe how to love. We know what you're doing. You're telling how you love us. Because I know for me to love that way is impossible. It's only possible when I receive the love that you give me that I can love my wife the way that 1 Corinthians 13 says to love. Can't do it myself. But the economy of heaven doesn't ask me to. The economy of heaven says if you'll receive the fullness of the love I give you, everything, then you can share everything. Let us get it. Let us see it. Because, Lord, there are so many, even in this group that's small tonight, we get hung up on this. We're kind of crippled by it. Pray, Lord, that you would find within my heart this reality. I don't want to own anything. I want it to be yours. Every dollar, every ounce of property, every vehicle, everything, every relationship. I pray, Lord, the heart that you would find in me. And I pray, Lord, that my life, the lives of each one here, would live in that testimony, would live that witness. Let us be good stewards. Let us take care of what you have given. We recognize it as a gift. But let us, Lord, never let it rule over us. It was never intended in this economy. It's about a relationship that we have with you. Let us see it and trust it. In Jesus' name, amen.